shocking and sad news from over the weekend. Matthew Perry, Chandler Bing from Friends, has died at the age of 54. So that sparked a number of important discussions today, including on addictions. He worked so hard to speak very publicly about his problems with addictions over his life and how he worked to help those with addictions. Also, more people are feeling more stress when it comes to bills, debt, and identity theft. We had our Monday sports chat. We were joined by Derek Taylor, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, as the blue and gold are now getting ready for the playoffs. And in light of the death of Matthew Perry, we decided to have a conversation today about your television comfort blankets. Which TV show is your friend? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Monday, October 30th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And on this Monday morning, um, I would imagine, Greg, that uh, when you got the news over the weekend about Matthew Perry, that it was just as jarring for you as it was for me? No question about it. Walking out the door Saturday night and Jackie got a test, text and she goes, oh my, oh my God, what? She, of course, she didn't answer right away. I think she was processing it. Yeah. And then she said, Matthew Perry died. I'm like, what the hell? I mean, I know I know anybody that knows anything about him, and if you haven't known about him in too much detail, you've learned about his life over the weekend. But, Loren, uh, I can't get over how many people I know that have read his memoir. Um, I must know half a dozen people in conversation just in the last couple of days in text messages or in person. And uh, yeah, obviously the struggle of his life was real with regard to addictions. It was something he was dedicated to, not only for himself, but for others. And for him to pass away at 54, it's uh, it's startling news for, for maybe a couple of different generations. Because of course, Friends lives on in syndication. It's just not those of us that watched it from the very first episode. I think that there were all sorts of things going through my head Saturday when this, first of all, the age, I don't know if it's because I'm closer to that age and I thought 54 is so young. And I thought, oh no, because of just, you know, he, he, he had a way about him that was so charming, both on and off air, no matter what he was going through, he was so funny. And I think what for me what was particularly sad is not just the loss of a, of a, talent like that is it a loss of a person who really opened themselves up to the world in the last few years to share what they've been through in the hopes of helping others and when you know someone is now trying to find that path that way forward and they don't get to to finish the walk so to speak right like to die young and not get to do maybe what you had wanted to do that's particularly troubling and I know people might say 54 is not that young but it is young and it is young when you've turned a corner and said to yourself I'm working every darn day to be a better person and to say no and to keep up with my sobriety and then to have that happen. I, I don't know. I felt, I felt upset in all sorts of ways. So we'll have more on the death of Matthew Perry coming up at 635. And then at 645, we'll expand on that conversation because I think for a lot of us, and look, not everybody liked the show Friends, but a lot of us did enjoy the show Friends and continue to enjoy it. And it can be that sort of comfort blanket show uh, that you can turn on anytime and enjoy it and watch it. I know Jeff Bronkost of the Couch Potatoes just recently rewatched the entire series. It's one of those things where, you know, if the, I rarely find myself actually flipping through channels. It's usually uh, when I sit down, I've got something specific I'm going to watch, but on the off chance where I'm like, nah, I don't know, I'll just see what's out there. And if friends pops up there, that's it. And chances are it does. Yeah. It's probably on your, somewhere on your TV listing, 20 out of 24 hours of every day. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's like a comfort food for sure. So we'll ask you what your comfort blanket show is. What is your, what show is your TV friend? We'll do that at 645. Also today at 705, Loren, we're going to be getting into 
Bills, debt, and identity theft. Yeah, I don't think it's a shock to anyone that a growing number of Canadians are really worried about where things are going with their bottom line. But Equifax Canada, its consumer advocate, is going to join us after 7 because ahead of Financial Literacy Month, which is November, they're trying to get a handle on people's understanding of their finances and just where they're at with things. And one of the numbers that stood out, there was all sorts of things in the survey that um, weren't surprising, and, and that is that we're worried as a public but what was surprising to me is that 31% surveyed have sought additional income due to higher mortgage or rental payments. And so is that work? Is that people getting extra jobs? Is that cashing in on maybe some of your savings? Is that taking on more debt or getting more loans to try to, to fight the rising costs? And so that number really stood out for me. But we're also going to talk about how our younger Canadians are feeling younger. Adults are more likely to miss bill payments, according to this survey. They're way more anxious than other respondents. And so there's lots to delve into there. And and also with the idea, do you guys check your credit card statements regularly? No. Like beyond the number? <laughs> no. No, I don't. Yeah, we've start, sort of stopped using credit cards in the last year or so. So um, no, not really. No, I know I should. And uh, it, it just... Uh, I should have learned a lesson over 10 years ago, like 10, 11, 12 years ago, I checked my statement and realized that I had this Weight Watchers bill every month mm. or because I had signed up or my my then girlfriend was using Weight Watchers. We used my card for it and she stopped using it for, I don't know how long, oh, but I man. noticed that they, so I'd paid 500 bucks into Weight Watchers for, I don't know, for a year, I guess, and oh. she hadn't been using it. Oh. So... So you'd think I would have learned then to pay a closer attention. Did I learn anything? No. No. Yeah, and that's the thing when they talk about your literacy. Like, first of all, you need to be, and I'm the, fir- I'm the same way. I-, I like to have my head in the sand, and it's not that I-, I pay it off. I check the number. I make sure that I'm not carrying on. I-, I don't pay any additional interest. Like, I'm very diligent about that. But I don't go in and double-check all the lines in it of what was charged. And you should because of the fact that you could be like your story, Brett, or you know, identity theft, this is the number one way to stop it. When people go in and they, you can spot it that way because you can see payments that aren't yours and also attempts to maybe use your card or your number elsewhere. And so there's all sorts of reasons to check it. We don't. So we'll get into that after seven and maybe we can all learn a little something. Does um, charging your kids for all the rides that you give them, like, is that like the second job? <laughs> <laughs> it should be, and you should charge. I, I I'm know thinking what, November first we might have something new happening in our house, but I don't think it's going to go over very well. <laughs> and by hey, by the way, I I was were you as surprised as I was with the result of the bomber game? Just like drop kicking Calgary. <laughs> Because didn't they see, like, sit well, like in a backup lineup? Yeah, basically. like they sat like eleven starters. Yeah. I, I, I shouldn't have been. I, I don't know. I, you know what? They have some really, really good backups. Like that's a strong lineup, top to bottom. And I think we really saw that on Friday. We'll ask Derek Taylor how if he was surprised. He'll join us after eight thirty to talk Blue Bombers and get us set up for the road to the Grey Cup. Right now, though, we want to talk more about what Sarah was just. Reading to you in Global News at 6.30, and that's how fans of one of the most successful sitcoms of all time are mourning the loss of a beloved star. American-Canadian actor Matthew Perry, who of course became famous for his role as Chandler Bing in Friends, was found dead at his home in Los Angeles Saturday. He was 54 years old and had enjoyed a four-decade-long career in the entertainment industry. Global's Tria Isri with more. How do I look? Oh, um... I don't care. <laughs> All the cast members of Friends got laughs, but and none could land a joke like Chandler Bing. I left the message. I have some pride. Do you? No. <laughs> Best known as the quirky and quick-witted character Chandler Bing. The actor was found dead at his Los Angeles home Saturday. Police say the 54-year-old drowned in his hot tub. The sudden death of a star Why who helped cement married? friends as a cultural phenomenon. <laughs> Perry made the character his own with his perfect timing hard. and pure sarcasm. Could I be more sorry? <laughs> he also starred in a string of hit movies. 
Chewy, hi, Luke Skywalker. While the audience was laughing, few knew Perry was struggling with addiction. By the time I was 18, I was drinking, I was drinking every day. During the 2021 Friends reunion, Perry discussed using prescription drugs and alcohol to cope. To me, I felt like I was gonna die if they didn't laugh. Things got so bad, he could not remember three entire years of filming. It's the time I should have been the toast of the town. I was in a dark room meeting with nothing but drug dealers. Police sources told the LA Times no drugs were found at the scene, and they do not suspect foul play. After the discovery, Perry's family arrived at his L.A. home, including his Canadian mother, Suzanne Morrison, once press secretary to Pierre Elliott Trudeau, and his stepfather, Canadian broadcaster Keith Morrison. Perry was born in Massachusetts. His dad was American actor John Bennett Perry. When his parents divorced, he moved to Ottawa, where he and the current prime minister met as classmates. Who gets recognized more in Canada? <laughs> You or Trudeau? I would say Trudeau. Justin Trudeau tweeted, I'll never forget the schoolyard games we used to play. Thanks for all the laughs, Matthew. You were loved and you will be missed. You have to stop the Q-tip when there's resistance. <laughs> Outside the New York apartment, Perry and his castmates popularized. Fans left tributes. I loved Chandler. I loved the show and I also knew remember this because it's going to be the best time of your life and i knew it matthew perry was also a nationally ranked junior tennis player back in his teenage years he struggled obviously with addiction for a long time as you heard in that clip and perry spoke publicly very sp publicly in the, the last few years about his legacy with the q podcast tom power uh the host back in 2022 while promoting his memoir friends lovers and the big terrible thing i didn't watch the show and haven't watched the show because i could go drinking opiates drinking cocaine drink, like i could tell season by season by how i looked and i don't think anybody else can but i certainly could and that's why i don't want to watch it because that's what i that's what I see. That's what I noticed when I watch it. But I, I, I think I'm going to start to watch it because it, it really has been an incredible, first of all, it was an incredible ride, but it's been an incredible thing to watch it touch the hearts of different generations and like all these like... It's become this important, significant thing. And, you know, I would, I, I think, I would watch that again. It was really funny, and all the people were nice. And I've been too worried about this, and I would, you know, I want to watch Friends, too. In that same interview, he would go on to say, I would like to be remembered as somebody who lived well, loved well, was a seeker, and his paramount thing is that he wants to help people. That's what I want. And Loren, he actually turned his former Malibu home into a sober living facility called the Perry House, uh, which ran uh, until about 2015. So um, Matthew Perry, we're remembering him for one thing. He wanted really to be remembered for something else. And I think that will happen as part of the conversation over the next couple of days. And he, he acknowledged in... Uh, the, the audio you played, not in the audio you played, Greg, but in that segment, I know that he said in the past about wanting to be remembered for, for helping people, and he knew that that wasn't going to be the case, that people were going to more likely remember him as the actor and, and as particularly the Friends star. But I do think as we continue to talk about him, there will be people who now learn more about what he's done and how he's helped, and there will be people who will be helped because of that. Yeah, when I just when you think about the, the number of lives... Mm -hmm that show touched that he as a performer along with those other five performers all the lives that they touched and continue to touch um you know that if for somebody i would imagine for for somebody who already had a predilection for addictions going into it to then jump from relative obscurity to being one of the biggest stars on television um i would imagine that's that's a, a powder keg 
for somebody like him, you know, for him, especially when you hear him say that I, I would die if if people didn't laugh, you know, they're like he cares that much about the character and cares that much about the show. And how do you deal with that sort of stress? And unfortunately for him, it was uh, at the bottom of a bottle with drugs and whatnot. And uh, but yeah, just like I, I just sort of wonder what would it let's just say uh, that I found myself in that position. You know, I have a there's a reason why I've never tried narcotics is because I know that that would be the game over for me. I, I took one, two drags of a cigarette when I was 19, hmm. and I have been addicted to nicotine ever since. So that's why when there have been opportunities to try narcotics, because I've been around stuff like cocaine, no, no, keep that away from me. So uh, for to, the, to be, you know, a rich young guy in Hollywood, ooh, that'd be, that, that, that's a potential dangerous situation. I think it was in that memoir, Loren, sorry to cut you off. I think it was in that memoir where he suggested he spent $9 million Mm -hmm. trying Mm -hmm. to get sober. So the next time we're, you know, judging people in this community and elsewhere, about why they can't get over their addictions, it's not an easy fight. He later said he thought it might be more that that might have been a conservative estimate when he was, did subsequent interviews after that memoir came out. And for him, I've heard clips from him over the weekend where he talked about it wasn't the willpower that he has to find every day to not have that first drink is what he works every moment of his life on. And he said once he has the first one, what he doesn't have is the ability to stop, right? So it's a choice every single minute of his day was to not take that first sip. And I think conversations like that, hopefully that's kind of some of the audio we hear too, in addition to all the laughs he brought us. What is your comfort blanket television show? What show would you maybe consider your TV friend? At 204-780-6868, we want to hear from you. For a chance to win tickets for a concert, we are going to announce just after the 8 o'clock news. And Greg, why don't you start us off here? Well, this show, <laughs> I don't know how many people like this show. It's on a lot, so I'm guessing it's a few. I didn't necessarily care for it that much when it was on originally, but now in syndication, I find myself watching it every single weekday. I will seek it out. Uh, Why don't you just fire the clip? Maybe you should have dinner with this guy. You want me to go on a date? No, not a date. As far as you're concerned, it's just a dinner to discuss law stuff. But then, while you're eating, you guys talk, you smile, you laugh. I mean, the night is just magic. (laughs) Then next week, when you go to court to contest a ticket, he doesn't show up to testify because he's sweet on you. And bam! Bye-bye ticket. It's a perfect plan. He has high def. Yeah, so? So, so, you know, invite him to my poker game tonight. Ew, no. Why would I do that? Hello, brownie points for you with your boss and maybe an invite to watch the Super Bowl in high def. Doug, he is my boss, okay? I do not want him in my home. That is my turf. Your turf? Okay, when exactly did you become Pinky Tuscadero? (laughs) Kevin James, Leah Remini, uh, Jerry Stiller, Patton Oswalt... Amongst others, it's the King of Queens. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why, but I've sort of fallen in love with that show. Leah Remini kills me. She yeah. is so mean and <laughs> funny. Back at like it was like TBS was uh, yes. and everybody loves Raymond back in the day. I don't know if they still do that, but like I love that show too. Arthur and is so funny. Jerry Stiller's awesome in that show. Lou Ferrigno is himself. Yeah. It's kind of neat. Sarah McCarthy, what about you? Well, mine does happen to be friends. So I truly thought um, some of my friends texted me Saturday night. I truly thought they were pulling my leg because they know how much I love friends. So to hear about Matthew Perry was very upsetting. But uh, looking back on the positive things, too many episodes to name. Of course, the one where they all find out that Chandler and Monica are together. The my eyes, my eyes, of course, that one. But uh, here's a little clip from the one with the jellyfish. What do you think about making that beach trip an annual thing? No. No. What happened out there? Monica got stung by a jellyfish. I couldn't walk. I'd seen this thing on the Discovery Channel. Ew. (laughs) You peed on yourself? But I I couldn't bend that way. (laughs) No. That's right, I stepped up. If I had to, I'd pee on any one of you. (laughs) Only, uh... Couldn't. I got the stage fright. I turned to Chandler. 
sure it kept screaming at me, do it now, do it, do it, do it now. Sometimes late at night, I can still hear the screaming. That's because sometimes I just do it through my wall to freak you out. So yeah, just funny episode there, for sure. Classic, mm-hmm. Hall of Famer. Poitras, what about you? Uh, mine's real quick here. This is uh, my favorite show when I was a kid, and whenever I'm sick, this is the show I like to watch. SpongeBob, I have a confession to make. <laughs> You're bald? No, I'm not bald! It's Squidward and uh, <laughs> Mr. Krabs and Patrick and Sandy. I, uh, I, I was always a Patrick guy growing up, but now that I'm older... And I'm more mature, uh, and still watching SpongeBob. Uh, I'm more of a Mr. Krabs and Squidward uh, fan. I, wow. I I find them much more entertaining now that as I, as I get older. It's, Mr. Krabs is so freaking cheap. <laughs> yep. he's so cheap, and Squidward is so vain and full of himself. It's uh, it's a wonderful show, and it's also Loren's favorite show. Also, um, I know that she loves loves <laughs> SpongeBob. I can't, you know, it's just so funny. This is where I'm old. Like the kids love it, and they have it on. And every time I hear any of the voices, I'm like, no, like I need to be in a separate room. It's like nails <laughs> on chalkboard or something. I'm, yeah. I just, but I just don't get it. Like it just doesn't. It not, none of it connects. With I, me. I don't get the new stuff. I only watched the first three seasons. I haven't seen an episode past that. People have told me to. I said, nope. I like these three seasons, and I don't go further. <laughs> Fair enough. I never really got SpongeBob, although I did try the, I don't know if it's still there. It's been over 10 years, but they had a one of those 4D uh, SpongeBob shows at uh, the in the theater in the Excalibur Hotel. And it was super cool. cool. It was really good. So recommend it if it's still there. Loren, what about you? Oh, I don't know if this is going to surprise anyone. I mean, I, I loved Friends. I loved, I have gone back and watched The Office during COVID. I over and over again would watch episodes of Ted Lasso. But I think if I'm like having that day where I just need to take a breather and have a laugh and just a wholesome laugh, it will always be to turn to the show with my favorite character, Phil Dunphy. I always wondered who'd be lucky enough to marry the beautiful Claire Pritchett. (laughs) No luck involved, hombre. She saw, she liked, she got pregnant, she had to. (laughs) (laughs) Phil Dunphy from the the Modern Family, sorry. Uh, She saw, she liked... She got pregnant. She had to. He is so funny. Oh, I just, he's Phil is great. He's, he's the one awesome. that. Yeah, he's the reason why I will continue. He's to go the back glue to that of that show, show right? For totally. Sure. Yeah. 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 And Forte. I'm going to also go with Friends. Uh, it's, it's a comfort show. I love it. Uh, my favorite episode. I don't have one because there's just too many. Uh, but I always loved it when they were all the group. The six of them were all together. And uh, here's one clip that I absolutely love. Okay, buddy boy. Here it is. You hide my clothes, I'm wearing everything you own. Yes. <laughs> oh my yes. god! That is so not the opposite of taking somebody's underwear. <laughs> Look at me, I'm Chandler. Could I be wearing any more clothes? <laughs> Maybe if I wasn't going commando. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just one of my favorite clips. <laughs> It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. A reminder that our first Country Fest code word of the day coming up at 7.20 for your chance to win a pair of three-day general admission passes for Dauphin's Country Fest happening June 28th to 30th, 2024. But right now we want to talk about how worries over money and rising debt have a growing number of Canadians looking for other ways to raise some extra cash. Yeah, so Equifax Canada surveyed more than 1,500 people last month and found 31% have sought additional income due to concerns over mortgages or rental payments. And those worries on just how to stay afloat appear to be hitting that 18 to 34-year-old demographic particularly hard. So 36% of younger adults say they've missed a bill payment this year compared to 23% of overall respondents. And more than half, 52% of people in that 18 to 34 group are anxious about debt compared to 39% of all respondents. Julie Kuzmik is Equifax Canada's Senior Compliance Officer of Consumer Advocacy and joins us now. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. I want to talk about the younger adults and their concerns in a minute, but that 31% that have sought additional income, could you tell us a bit more about that? Are we talking that they've gone and found another job, a second job, third job? Are they cashing in savings or RRSPs? What, what's happening there? It's tough to say exactly what's behind uh, the the folks who are answering that question on the survey. Um, we didn't go on to then ask further details about the nature of that income, but Based on anecdotal evidence, I'm guessing that there's a lot of side hustling 
going on here. So people who have uh, maybe a craft business on the side or uh, another way that they're looking to be bringing in a little additional income. It's unfortunately not a big surprise in this economic climate that people are needing to lean more on those additional income sources. And Julie, when we talk about that younger generation, younger folks that are are concerned and have an increased concern versus this time last year and certainly versus other age groups, uh, what are you hearing from those younger people? Well, I mean, we're, we're seeing the headlines all over the place. We know that younger folks are concerned about ever even being able to own property. Um, those who have been able to get into home ownership are worried about their mortgage renewal time and what our interest rates going to look at at that point. And then, of course, the folks who are renting aren't left out of all this anxiety. Unfortunately, rents are going up and people are concerned about being able to just pay their rent on a monthly basis. Now, 32% of Canadians surveyed also say they never check their credit reports. Why is that a bad habit? Well, yeah, that's, that's a concerning one for me. Now, every one of us who has used credit in Canada pretty much will have a credit report at both Equifax and TransUnion, the two major credit bureaus in Canada. And that's a listing of how you have made your payments to those accounts over time. So that information gets reported to the credit bureaus. And it's really important to make sure that that information is accurate. It's rare, but it does happen that perhaps someone else's visa bill information can land on your credit report if maybe you have a similar last name or and or a similar address. And so you want to make sure that information is accurate when you're in a bit more of a relaxed time rather than when you're trying to apply for that new credit card or car loan or possibly even new job that is requiring a credit check as part of the conditions of employment, you don't want to find out then that there is something inaccurate on your credit report and be scrambling to try and get that corrected. Uh, Jamie, just, the, or pardon me, Julie, the whole idea of not checking out your credit report, uh, do you know why people are hesitant to do that? And also, uh, I think there's maybe a perception that it costs you money to do that. Maybe you could dispel some of the, the myths and concerns around taking a peek at your own credit report. Yeah, I'm so glad that you raised that. There is a misconception out there that if you check your own credit reports, that somehow that is going to make your own credit scores go down. And there is absolutely no correlation there. You could check your credit report from Equifax and or TransUnion every day, and you will see absolutely no impact on your credit score calculations. Also, every one of us in Canada has a right to see our own credit reports for free. And you can do that online, free of charge, Equifax.ca, and take a look at what is actually going on there. What about checking your credit cards? You know, we were talking earlier this morning about how you might check to see what you owe and you pay that or you do your best to pay that, but you don't go back in to see what you're spending your money on and whether or not your card's been compromised in any way. Are we bad at even just double checking our own accounts? Some people are. Yes, we do get a sense uh, from some of the respondents that some people are doing a good job of double checking their actual credit card statements, whether that's online through your online banking or if you're getting it on paper. Either way, just keeping an eye on each of those payments that are getting made against your credit card for a couple of reasons. One is, of course, you want to make sure that somebody hasn't gotten their hands on your credit card number and been using it. So you want to make sure you recognize all of those payments that have been made. 
But secondly, it might help you realize that maybe there's an old subscription that you forgot about that is getting charged to your credit card that is a really easy way to free up some more money in your monthly budget to cancel that subscription. So it really is a good habit to be in. Julie Kuzmik, Equifax Canada's Senior Compliance Officer of Consumer Advocacy. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate this. Thank you. And that's a great point, even on the subscription front. I had a subscription to Mm -hmm. Entertainment Weekly, which eventually became a monthly magazine, but it was still Entertainment Weekly. And they eventually just canceled the magazine. Like EW.com still exists, but the magazine is gone. But because I didn't act immediately to cancel my subscription, I started getting People Magazine every week. Oh, no. So so I've got, I mean, they didn't charge many more. It was the same fee, but they just kept going. Sure. And uh, so now I've got this, like, stack of 50 issues of People magazine, and I finally called them a few months back and was like, uh, yeah, you can... Please stop. ...cancel this. But I should... I don't know why I, it took me so long to just pick up the phone and, and cancel. It's Stupid. because it's the runaround that you get, or the, the challenge to get on and off the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I canceled a subscription to, I'm not going to say to the publication, but I did a few weeks ago just because of bottom line issues. And it was 20 minutes on the phone, and then, then the try to keep me as a customer. And I was like, I don't know what else to tell you. You should have offered me this better deal that was sitting there months ago. Like, oh. Why did I have to call you and threaten to quit? And now you're, you're going to cut $30 a month off the charge? No, no, thank you. But also, no, the answer is no. And it, that's why. You just don't want to get the runaround. I just signed up for one this morning. I put it in my calendar for 11 months from today <laughs> to make sure that I cancel it. Because it's twenty dollars for the year, it's normally a hundred and eighty. I'm not paying one eighty for this. Twenty's fine. Then you're you're on the hook. That's right. We're asking you, what is your television comfort blanket? What does John have to say? The all-time best show was Mash Bedtime Tradition on CKND, and still around. Just watch the finale again. Just the other day. And I'm trying to remember. I think it went down like this. MASH would be on at 10, and then the CKND News at 10.30. I don't know if either of you remember, Brett, Loren, but I know our listeners will. 204-780-6868. That's sort of how I remember it. I think that your memory is correct. So we will pick our winner at 9.15. But right now, we have a question for you uh, just ahead of the keys to the game. Loren, as it pertains to Halloween candy, because you've experienced some frustration on this front. Yeah, and you know, some people might say this is self-serving to me, but there's a growing number of people with food allergies, and peanut allergy is usually the biggest one. Dairy is another one. And so Halloween, as fun as it is, can be really stressful for a lot of families if you have a food allergy in your family. And In fact, in the years after my son was first diagnosed with a life-threatening allergy to peanuts, I I almost will say I hated Halloween because yes, people are far more aware when it comes to allergies. There are more peanut-free products. And as my son's grown up, you know, he's become his own best advocate. He reads the label, sometimes double and triple checks the label. But Halloween was scary because you didn't know what was going to end up in your kid's bag. And if you weren't super diligent or you wanted to make sure he didn't reach in that bag before you had a chance to check, you were stressed, right? And Every year, there is a moment where I realized we were almost tricked by what we thought was a safe treat, okay? So just yesterday, I went to buy some candy for tomorrow night. Kit Kat has long since been a safe option because Nestle has a peanut-free facility for its Halloween candy, not just for the Kit Kat bar. It's that box that has uh, Kit Kat, Arrow, and your favorite, the Coffee Crisp, Greg. And (laughs) it has a big peanut-free label on the packaging, right? So I went to go reach for that yesterday And then right next to it was also another Kit Kat option with a Halloween bar on it. Like it was spooky sort of imaging on it. And I looked closer and that Kit Kat option is actually comes with a nut warning. So side by side, there's one that's peanut free Kit Kat and one that is not peanut free. It says it may contain nuts and they're made in two different facilities and they're by the exact same maker with almost identical coloring and packaging. And so it ticks me off because, yes, again, I know it's on me, but it feels like I, you're getting tricked each and every year. This happens every year. I look and then there's some bar that I thought was safe isn't anymore. And so I just mentioned this all out loud because there will be people who will be handing out candy that might have gone out of their way to maybe potentially buy what would be a safe option. And then 
we'll have that at the door and it's not. And again, I know it's on us. It's on us to come home and read it. And we do it every time we spend a half an hour every Halloween night dumping out the bags and making piles of what we can eat and what has to get the heck out of the house. But this drives me nuts. I do not know why this has to happen. It feels almost like someone's going out of their way to be like, aha, take this. And it's scary for us. So I just wanted to throw that out there for anyone who has allergies in the audience. It is Mackling McGarry McNabb. We'll check in with Derek Taylor, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, in a moment to talk about sports. And after Global News at 9, I want to tell you how Manitoba Veterinary Medical Association is putting up positive spin on the topic of spaying and neutering. But Paw. <laughs> exactly. Sorry. I just had to. <laughs> positive. But uh, before that, Greg, you were asking about the order of operations, the scheduling regarding MASH and CKND. And Paul confirms, yep, MASH was on at 10 and then CKND News. And Paul also pointing out rumor. I didn't know this, but rumor has it there were issues with sewer overflows in cities like New York during the airing of the final episode because everyone was using the bathroom during the breaks. Not sure if that's an urban myth, but I did some I just looked into it. And the Washington Post points out an estimated uh, million viewers in New York City alone used the toilet after the show ended, pouring 6.7 million gallons of water through the city's sewers. And uh, the engineers who had been around 30, 40 years said they'd never seen anything like it. Because <laughs> like 100 million people watched, the 106 million people watched the finale for oh, MASH. Oh boy, the number in my head was going to be almost exactly that. I was thinking 53 million rang a bell for me for some reason. 106 million, that's my word. And like in the 1980s, that's incredible. That's like a third of the U.S. population. Yeah. A little taken in that show. But that's neat. I had no idea about the sewer backup or the sewer issues. So, Paul, thank you for sharing that. So tell us about your... Okay, we are having a just a bit of an issue getting Derek uh, connected, so we'll just wait for a moment while we sort through that. But in the meantime, keep telling us about your comfort blankets for a chance to win those April wine tickets that we announced officially at 8.05 after I almost, well, basically did spill the beans at 6.57 because I wasn't thinking. Um, Loren, at 9.35, a bit later on this morning, uh, who are we talking to there as it pertains to strikes? We're going to check in with MGEU because later this morning, it's 1,700 MPI workers. Its members are going to vote on the latest offer. Uh, of course, we know the MPI board was replaced after Premier Wabkanu and his government were elected. That board has since presented what sounds like a different offer. Is it a very different offer? I don't know, but they're taking it to its members today. So we're going to speak to MGEU just after 9.30 about uh, what might be on the table, what they expect. And also this idea, Greg... You know, we were saying earlier that all these contracts that have been negotiated over the last few years, for many of the unions, it's been after they went one, two, three years without a contract, which means whatever, say, gets voted on today and say it gets passed, you're almost right back to the bargaining table because it goes back. It's retroactive a couple of years, which means it can only go ahead so far. And so in two years time, MPI will be right back at the table. Yeah, it's sort of goofy, isn't it? Anyway, that's uh, just the nature of... Of labor conversations and negotiations these days, unfortunately. We'll have more on that at 9.35. But right now, it's time for playoffs. The last two games of the Canadian Football League schedule went down on Saturday. And for the first time since 1989, a CFL team finished the season with 16 wins. So the Winnipeg Blue Bombers wrapped up their 2023 regular season schedule. Which, with what's considered, I would say, an impressive 36-13 win over the Stampeders. That was in Calgary on Friday night. Drew Brown was more than efficient at quarterback. A defense of non-starters gave notice that Blue Bombers is very good in depth, deep on talent. And Brady Oliveira, of course, took care of one last piece of personal business. Brady Oliveira, three yards from 2,000 from scrimmage on the season. Lineman tight end. Hand off to Oliveira, right side, and he's got 2,000 across the 40, to across the 45-yard line. Brady Oliveira, the first Canadian, first back in the CFL to get 2,000 yards from scrimmage since John Cornish in 2013, and he knew it. 
Blue Bomber nominee for most outstanding player rushed seven times for 32 yards to go over 1,500 yards rushing and 2,000 total yards on the season. Joining, as your Derek say, joining John Cornish as the only two national players to hit both milestones. And by the way, it was Toronto Argonauts who uh, had their 16th victory of the season over the weekend. Derek Taylor is the voice of the Blue Bombers, joins us on this Monday morning. DT, good morning. Good morning. So uh, before we discuss Brady's accomplishments and and where they fit and what we expect from him down the stretch here, he finishes the season. Let's talk about uh, Drew Brown. Finishes the season with 705 yards passing. Nothing ridiculous for a backup. 49 of 72 uh, attempts and completions. That's a 68% completion percentage. Actually quite good. Just a percentage point below that of some guy named Zach Caleros. And the most impressive part of his stat line, in my opinion, DT, zero interceptions versus seven touchdowns. Wax poetic for 90 seconds or so about Drew Brown. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive, right? Um, he, he's been... The last couple seasons, he's been kind of the the call when called on. I'm gonna just keep this train rolling, right? And actually, I'm gonna do a, little, a bit to improve on it too. Uh, week one against Ottawa last year, all of a sudden he's forced in the game on the game-winning drive, three plays, including this jump pass across the middle to Nick Dembski. Boom! They kick the game-winning field goal. Oh, that's that's pretty good. Uh, Edmonton this year, they're down 22 nothing when Zach Kalaris takes a shot in the head and has to leave the game. Uh, Drew comes in and leads them to the comeback, and they end up from down 22. They end up winning the game by nine points. You know, wow, that's that's pretty solid. Next week he starts in Calgary. Weather's not great. Uh, stout defense and leads them to the win. And then in this one, uh, yeah, just right from the start, everything was clicking for him. He had a lot of the starting offense with him. You know, obviously minus Dalton Schoen. Nick Dempsey sitting out, Stanley Bryant sitting out, but this is him with the first team offense against, you know, much of Calgary's first team defense and just, yeah, 277, two touchdowns, giving him nine touchdowns and no interceptions on the season. Uh, according to Steve Daniel of the CFL, their stats guru, it's the most touchdowns anyone thrown in a, in a season with zero interceptions in the history of the league, which is not the greatest stat in the world, but it is pretty cool. Nine touchdowns and no picks. For, uh, for Drew Brown this year, it, it gives a little confidence going forward. Obviously, to me, Zach's the best quarterback in the league. But if the worst thing were to happen and someone phoned the coaches show to remind us of, uh, you know, 2007, the worst thing were to happen, you're saying there's a chance with Drew Brown. So you're telling me there's a chance. Okay, we talked about the depth of the lineup in the game against Calgary. Calgary also didn't play a lot of its starters, though, right? Yeah, like their, their top receiver, Reggie Bagleton, got the day off. Yeah. They had a, a change in tackle throughout the game. They had their two linebackers basically sat the game out, which is probably prudent on, on their part. And they were missing their safety. And, yeah, they, they rotated some dudes out as well. So it wasn't the, the best that Calgary could offer. It certainly wasn't the team that whacked BC the week before. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, there's still a lot of uh, big-time CFL players in there. So, uh, full props to to the offense and well the defense for absolutely suffocating that Calgary offense. All right, so back to Brady we go now because he put an absolute exclamation mark on his season on Friday. The division nominees will be announced this week. So will Brady represent the West as most outstanding player of 2023? This is really hard uh, because he's up against Vernon Adams, the quarterback of the BC Lions, and. There's always going to be the, is it the most outstanding or is it the most valuable? If it's valuable, it's going to go to a quarterback. If it's outstanding, it could be anybody. And I know it says outstanding, but how do the voters treat it? So I know some folks who have voted for Vernon Adams. I know folks who have voted for Brady Oliveira. It's going to be very tough. If if you're truly going on outstanding, it's got to be Brady, Uh, just because you heard in the clip there, no one since 2013, not no Canadian, but no player since 2013 has had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. It was an incredible season for, for Oliveira. So he got my vote for most outstanding player. We'll, we'll see what happens with the, with the rest of the West because it's generally a quarterback versus quarterback award. So I have my fingers crossed, but I'm not going to, uh, I'm not betting my house on it because, uh, most outstanding kind of sometimes gets lost in most valuable. Let's say it that way. I hope you wouldn't 
bet your house on anything, Derek. Oh, I would have bet my house on Zach Kolaris last year. Come on, they were <laughs> there was a no doubt last year, but wow. yeah, it's uh, well, all right, yeah. you guys and your gambling. I don't know. <laughs> and silly me for trusting the CFL stat still shows three days yeah. later that uh, Drew Brown had seven touchdown passes, not the nine that he actually had. So uh, forgive me for that, Derek. Uh, playoff games are all on Saturdays beginning this coming weekend. Owls will host the Ticats out east and in Vancouver will be Lions Stampeders. Who will the Argos and Bombers host November 11th? So I, BC is a significant favorite in the game against Calgary. I think that's probably right, just based on you have a 12-6 and six team taking on a 6-12 and 12 team. Calgary did lump them pretty good, you know, two weeks of games ago. So this one is, is probably more than a little, probably closer to a toss-up than the line would indicate. I still think it's BC. BC throughout the season looked like the third team in the CFL. They looked pretty... Like there's a pretty significant gap between third and fourth in the league. On the other side, I know Montreal finished three wins ahead of the Ticats, and I know they swept the season series against the Ticats. I, I still think there's some magic within the Hamilton Tiger Cats right now. They they recovered from a very poor start. So I think it's Hamilton at Toronto. I think it's BC at Winnipeg when we get to after next Saturday. Just I, just a feeling about the Ticats, though. Full props to the Alouettes, who I thought would be the worst team in the CFL and finished 11-7. and Just an incredible year for Jason Moss and company. Yeah, and Hamilton's been playing a lot better down the stretch here. Bo Levi Mitchell, you expect to see him, I guess, on Saturday in Montreal. And they're hosting the Grey Cup, so they might just be very motivated to, to maybe do something magical. DT, no coaches show tonight, but you're going to do it tomorrow night. And does Blake Wheeler get a standing ovation tonight before we let you go? Uh, Oh, does Blake Wheeler? I would. Uh, how about a? Yeah, you know what? Blake Wheeler was here long enough. I would say yes. I was trying to ju- to jump off PLD, who got the the tribute video and and you know some recognition. But I think Blake Wheeler was here long enough. The captain for for a good portion of it. I say yes. I hope so. All right, Derek Taylor, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, joining us live on six eighty CJOB. Derek, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Manitoba veterans are spaying it forward with a message for you. Prevent a litter, fix your critter. Boy, they've got all the sayings and all the rhymes and everything going on here. World is Spay Day and a number of veterinarian uh, clinics across Manitoba will be taking part to offer discounted spays and neuters, Loren. I am completely distracted by all these puns. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dr. Lee Ann Bargan is with Pet Vet Clinic in Steinbeck. Good morning, Dr. Bargan. Good morning. And Corey Wilson is the executive director and registrar of the Manitoba Veterinarian Medical Association. Thanks for joining us, Corey. Thanks for having us. Let's start with you, if you don't mind, Corey, because we want to talk about why it's important for the Veterinarian Medical Association to get involved. Why do you want to be part of World Spay Day? Well, so uh, World Spay Day was actually started back in 1995, and our members, uh, veterinarians and veterinary technologists in the province, thought that it would be so important to uh, help people have access to spay and neuters for their animals. Unfortunately, when people have uh, litters that they weren't expecting, many of those end up in animal shelters. Uh, We know that that's really not ideal. So we're hoping to uh, help Manitobans ensure that they're having animals that they're able to properly care for. Yeah, that's outstanding stuff. Dr. Bargan, how do people participate in this uh, special day? Well, as far as uh, clinics, we all sign up and join the initiative. And then we each individually take uh, upon ourselves to to recruit participants. So we actively solicit from our surrounding area and our clientele to see who has got a kitty in the target audience so that we can help uh, remove some reproductive rights from. And Dr. Bargan, when we're bringing in our, our dog or our cat, uh, what's, what's sort of like the aftermath? You know, how long would, is there the healing process? Oh, okay, yeah. So recovery, it's a little bit different for the females versus the males. Um, The females end up with an abdominal incision, and we actually remove the uterus and the ovaries. So they have to spend a little time being quiet afterwards. Uh, Ideally, 7 to 14 days of confinement and not um, not being sort of full of shenanigans, but... 
cats are a little harder than dogs to, to keep quiet, they heal pretty quickly as well. Um, the boys have sort of a less invasive procedure, so they can get back to activity uh, a little bit more quickly. But we do try to keep them on the down low for a little bit to help minimize complications. The boys can get back to more regular activity, but I bet you they still complain more, yes? <laughs> get out of here! <laughs> you know, we send more cones home for boys than girls. It's very true. <laughs> Oh, I just had to make that joke. I'm sorry. Corey, Frozen you know, we, peas go yeah. a long way. <laughs> we, we, we talk an awful lot about uh, dogs and cats here on this show. You know, we do a regular monthly segments with the Humane Society. We've talked about the fact that we see more pets being returned um, or people just realize they can't afford that pet. And one of the issues is because they end up with extra dogs and cats because they don't spay and neuter. Like what percentage of uh, dogs, cats, you know, pets out there are not spayed or neutered i don't know Corey, if you have anything um to help with this but it's a little bit of a skewed statistic because i don't necessarily see the ones that aren't coming in for that basic reproductive care like if we're sterilizing them they're kind of already um on the team so i don't know who i don't see so i can tell you we have a large percentage of sterilized animals in our practice but i don't know if that really represents the entire catchment that we work in and, and Corey, in terms of the number of animals that shelters take in, uh, it's, it's also quite skewed between cats and dogs, isn't it? Yeah, that's my understanding. I understand that we see a lot more cats entering shelters um, than dogs. That's right. And Dr. Bargain, what's the typical uh, size of litter, you know, for dogs and cats? Does it vary? Yeah, you know what, it depends a little bit on individual factors, on age and breed and that sort of thing. Um, I can give you a pretty good example for cats. If you want to do sort of a really conservative average litter, a cat will have four kittens. Um, And if I've seen the odd litter of nine, and I've seen some with one or two, but four is sort of a good conservative estimate. If one cat has four kittens and two of those end up being females, in 16 months, those reproductive animals will be able to create 36 more animals oh in less goodness. than a year and a half. So, um, and cats are really, really great reproducers. They have a few biological tricks that kind of makes them perfect at doing, um, at making kittens. Uh, so it's a real, um, it's a, a really good wave to get in front of. If you can interrupt a cat, you can really, you can take down three dozen potential cats in one fell swoop. Rabbits and cats. My goodness. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Corey, a quick question just in terms of, like, what's going on when people choose not to spay and neuter? Because we have all these programs. A lot of them are free or fairly low cost. What do you hear out there in terms of the why this still isn't happening as much as we perhaps think it should? Because it's, this has been decades-long worth of campaigning, Corey. Right, for sure. And so I think some of it is just public education, and that's mm-hmm. what we're hoping to accomplish with this event as well, is, is really just the importance of doing it. And, you know, speaking to your uh, veterinarian about the appropriate timing as well and, and not putting off if possible, um, I think a lot of people would be surprised how quickly they can have an unexpected litter. Um, and so that's why it's so important to get uh, veterinary care at the beginning of uh, animal ownership. And Dr. Bargain, for your clinic specifically, if anybody in your area wants to take advantage of Spay Day, how do they do that? Well, they can certainly give us a call directly. Um, There is a list on the MVMA website about all the participating clinics. We do have some cat-neuter spots still open, Uh, so we are more than happy to get, I have, I think, eight spots for boys, so potentially 16 testicles to go yet on Wednesday. I'm more than happy to relieve them of those parts. Um, yeah, oh give us my. a call, email us, anything. I'm so ha- it's it's a really fun day in the clinic. We repurpose all of our surgical packs into different um, sort of mini packs so we can get as many females done as possible. And yeah, we sort of shut down the whole thing and we just sterilize for the day. And it's it's kind of a fun project. Well, Dr. Leanne Bargain with Pet Vet Clinic in Steinbach, we thank you very much for your time. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And Corey Wilson, the Executive Director and Registrar of the Manitoba Veterinary Medical Association, thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having us. Once again, Spay Day is Wednesday, November 1st, and you can find a list of participating clinics at mvma.ca. A lot of clinics offering discounted rates to spay and neuter your animals. And again, that that, that, that math, within 16 mm-hmm. months, one cat becomes 36. Startling. You don't- you don't do it, you're going to end up with your 
a lot, on a paternity leave. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can barely get that out. <laughs> Way to go, Loren. Way awesome. to go. <laughs> It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. April Wine beat the box office tickets for April 12th, Burton Cummings Theatre. We just announced this show this morning. We have tickets to give away all week. And this morning, in light of the death of Matthew Perry, who was one of the big stars on Friends, one of the six, we're asking you about your comfort shows. What show is like that, just that bomb? And when you talk about a bomb... Who told you to put the bomb on? Did I tell you to put the bomb on? We can't have a conversation like this without people suggesting Seinfeld. Like Victor, (laughs) one of our runners-up, who says, definitely has to be Seinfeld. Every night I fall asleep to Seinfeld, especially when there is so much crap going on in the world. I know Jerry's world is a good place to be. So, Victor, thank you for that. Can't argue with that. And Loren, Kristen weighing in with uh, one of her runners-up as well, with a pair of rather divergent shows. I like this, though. Kristen says, I have a couple of comfort shows, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Grey's Anatomy. I'd like to say, think it says I'm into programs about powerful women thriving in male-dominated industries, but it might really imply I am into violence and blood. <laughs> <laughs> Love the self-reflection and the honest appraisal of the situation. I'm going to sneak one more in before our winner here, and this from Nadine, who says, My comfort show is Supernatural, and it's thanks to the Couch Potatoes. They did a bit on it. I did Jeff and I back in October and November 2020. It piqued my interest, says Nadine. Had some ups and downs over 15 seasons, but some great cast members, interesting storylines, and reminds us that family don't end with blood. So, Nadine, I'm happy that you got in on Supernatural, one of my all-time favorite shows. But, Greg, Rose P. is our winner. Rose says, my comfort show was truly friends because I had a one degree of separation from Matthew Perry. I used to work in Ottawa. Matthew grew up in Ottawa, where his mom worked for Pierre Trudeau. It ended up that my boss was good friends with Matthew's mom. My boss told Matthew's mom if he ever came back to Ottawa, they were going to set me up on a date with him. Neat. Sadly, he was in in L.A. a lot of the time and possible date never transpired. But I hold that story close to my heart because it was my closeness to a show that made me never miss an episode no matter where I was living. That's pretty cool. That's special. Yeah. That's really special. I worked with a guy in uh, Vernon at Earl's who uh, was at Alanis Morissette's sixth birthday party. He never, ever let us forget that. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's going too far back, don't you think? Well, I don't know. It was pretty good at the time. It was super timely. So in Ottawa, like uh, Tom Green, Alanis Morissette, and Matthew Perry. Those were sort of like the three go-to celebs in Ottawa. And if you met people from Ottawa, you should know this, Loren. Tom Green came to a house there party. There you go. No joke. There you go. Up. We had a house party. It was like two floors. And all of a sudden, walking up the stairs, I was like, you're Tom Green. He's like, yes, I am. <laughs> that, that's pre, you know, nobody had a phone. There was no selfies. You could get away with a lot more then. For sure. So, Rose, congratulations. You and the tickets for April Y. After two months on the picket line, the strike at MPI could be coming to an end. Yeah, so there's a new offer on the table and 1,700 striking workers. We'll get a look at it later today. The voting starts at noon on a contract that includes wage increases in line with what the union was originally demanding, 12.2% over four years. Joining us now is Kyle Ross, president of the Manitoba Government and General Employees Union. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning. How's it going? Well, I'm good. I'm curious how you're doing now that, you know, two months and a couple days in, you have something you're willing to let your members take a look at. What's on the table? What's different this time? Uh, the, the offer has improved some. It's, it was a really tough weekend of bargaining, and it's unfortunate that this deal, uh, to me, in our opinion, doesn't go far enough, It's but it's enough change that we're allowing our members to vote on it because we committed to our members that we would allow them to vote when there's a statutory change, and it has. So we're giving them the opportunity to, see, to take the deal out, and the members are in the driver's seat. They'll decide how we go forward. So, How doesn't it go far enough? What's not like to your liking that you wanted to see? Uh, when the government comes to our picket lines and 
says they'll have your back. We were expecting something that we could recommend and something we could take to our members and say, here, here's something to vote on. And we just didn't see that. We we worked really hard to try to get it to a place where we could recommend it to our members. And unfortunately, we didn't get there. So what's your sense, Kyle? Is is this going to pass? Is it going to be a close vote? Or, or do you get the sense that this will be rejected? That's pretty hard to say. The members are, are, are they're frustrated. I, I can tell you that, but it really feels like this government was, was taking advantage of their situation. They've been on strike nine weeks and they're doing something just good enough while leaving the double standard in place. They're continuing to perpetuate the, the double standard where they get 3.3%. Our workers are getting three. Next year, they'll be getting 3.6. Our workers are getting 2.9. It's really, really unfortunate. That's a long time to go without anything beyond strike pay. You mentioned nine weeks. So how are the members feeling after being on the picket lines for so long? Surprisingly, they're in good spirits and strong. Like uh, They've amazed me this whole strike. They've, I've been pretty proud to be their president. They've been, they've been strong every turn. When I walk to a picket line, I assume they'd be frustrated and they have a smile on their face. They're not happy with the situation, but, but they're, they're holding strong and standing together because they know they're fighting the good fight and fighting for fairness. So to be clear, Kyle, there's no recommendation coming from you as the head of the union as to how you think people should vote, because often what will happen for those who aren't familiar, you know, the union will say, we're recommending that you accept or reject this offer. There's nothing like that that you're saying. You're just saying decide for yourselves now. Correct. And usually our bargaining committees make those decisions, not myself. But sure, sorry, um, yes. Yeah, no worries. But yes, yes, we are not making a recommendation. It's the, our members are in the driver's seat. They'll get the opportunity to decide their fate and we'll support them no matter what they choose. Something we touched on in a conversation amongst ourselves, Kyle, was the idea that this is a, a multi-year contract, but it goes back essentially two years in the past for this year and last. So in just a couple of years, you're going to be back in this same situation. How frustrating is it, uh, not only in this situation, but other labor negotiations where you see these contracts that expire and workers are working without a contract, not only for a couple of months, but some case some cases a year and a half or two years. It's frustrating. And if you look at healthcare, it was five years. So like when those things happen, that means people are effectively getting zeros for years and years and years. And when inflation is running like it has the past couple of years, it, it creates a lot of pressure on workers. It's, it's really an unfortunate situation. We always try to bargain. Even this deal, we tried to bargain and the employer kept saying they weren't ready. They didn't have a mandate for, for months on end before we finally got to the table initially. So it's truly unfortunate. Okay, I was just curious about the, the culture specifically in your union, because, you know, regardless of what one, you know, some people support unions, some people don't. Uh, but I was super impressed because I walk home right past the ledge on my way home. And I've seen on more than one occasion in recent weeks, the uh, MGEU rallies, which would start in Memorial Park. And then eventually you would, uh, you know, transition across the street to the ledge. But like the sheer numbers of people who would come out for these rallies uh like you know there was i just it was it was a really like just as an observer it was a pretty cool moment to to witness that kind of solidarity it, it was pretty overwhelming to be honest with you when we go have those rallies and when you're up at the front i can say there's moments where i was almost overtaken with emotion it was it was pretty empowering to see those people ready to fight and putting their job on the line putting their their families and creating all this stress for themselves because they know what's fair. It's, it was it was really empowering for me, and I can't imagine. And thanks to a lot of the labor unions that came out and supported us at those times too, because it's not only us fighting here; they're all we're all fighting for fairness. And many other labor unions joined us in those rallies. So you talked a bit about uh, of what's on the table and how you still think you're falling short of your demands for the three point three percent per year, and your members are being offered three. Uh, that said, you might not have even gotten to this point if if a conservative government had been reelected. It's the NDP that went and put it in the new board for MPI, Kyle. Are you saying you're surprised that this doesn't go farther, that you thought that they would be willing to meet your demand word for word, essentially? I just thought they would take into account more what our workers have gone through, and, and they made a lot of promises. They, they walked their picket lines and told their members they had their backs. They've said many things that give us give our members a lot of hope that they were coming in to give a, a, a reasonable offer that they could go back with a smile on their face, and this offer doesn't do that, unfortunately. We, we were really hopeful. Like, when they come and walk our lines and then ask our members that are on strike to come volunteer on their campaigns, we kind of expected them to show up with something reasonably fair, maybe remove that double standard. That's what we're really hoping for. Well, on the other side, Kyle, I, you know, just personally, I, I didn't like Heather Stephenson and the conservative government sort of sticking their nose in the business of MPI. Uh, 
I, I I'm sort of glad that that the NDP isn't doing the same thing that they're leaving this sort of up to the board, up to those that are running MT, MPI because uh, the, the political interference thing in my mind's got to stop. Um, public sector mandates are pretty common, and I would say that they're still in place. I don't think that's going anywhere. There's there when the government has to go, has courtesy over the whole public sector. I'd say they're still involved when it comes to bargaining in the public sector. Should they be, Kyle? I think we have to work on finding a way that's fair. That's we're, We were fighting for fairness all along, and who's involved to me doesn't really matter. Our members, they care about what they're getting paid. They care about what, what their uh, benefits are, and we just want a fair deal. And that's what we've been working on, and that's what we've been trying. And whether it's the government involved or the employer, we just want a fair deal. But sometimes is it not that governments have been accused of meddling? And sometimes the language is, we don't want you meddling in contracts, you should stay out. But that might depend on what's on the table. And then it's okay to have the government involved if the offer is better. Like, should there, should, there, should there not just be a clear line? I just think our members and our workers want to be treated fairly. And to me, I don't think most people care about that line if they can get be treated fairly. Like, our workers, if they had a fair offer on the table, they'd be happy. I don't think if they got a fair offer from the Conservatives or the MPI or the NDP, all those things, I don't think it really matters to them in the end. In the end, they're trying to buy groceries, they're trying to buy gas, they're trying to take their kids to hockey and be able to afford the things that they could afford before. And with a fair deal, that's all we're asking for to get these members. Kyle Ross, president of the Manitoba Government and General Employees Union, joining us live on CJOB. Kyle, thank you for this. We appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. You have a good day. And so once again, after two months on the picket line, the strike at MPI could be coming to an end with a new offer on the table. 1,700 striking workers will get a look at it later today, and voting starts at noon. Uh, in the meantime, we just wanted to mention this quickly as well, uh, because, Loren, you mentioned this yesterday, and Greg uh, mentioned it to me again a few moments ago uh, when you talk about MPI and the subject of being on the road. There was one major road in southern Manitoba that was closed yesterday into, or was it Saturday into Sunday for a long time? Yeah, so Saturday, I think it was just afternoon, I saw an alert saying that the 75 from Morris to the border had been closed, and it remained that way until I believe it was around 8 a.m. Sunday. So that was, what, 18, 19, 20 hours Mm -hmm. that it had been closed. There is construction on that section, so it goes down to single lane. Like, they move everyone over to the one side while they work on the construction on that southbound lane, and it was a sheet of ice. And one of our listeners who's a regular driver says it was still icy again Sunday. But you have to wonder. I get it. You have to close it down for safety. But that's a long, long time to keep it closed. We've been talking an awful lot about who is or isn't available to work and get some of that, you know, clearing or sanding and salting done. And so for a major thoroughfare going north and south, to have it closed for that length is one thing. To know that there's still going to be that construction ongoing for a few more weeks and then the potential for, you know, more snow how, how does that get handled uh, in the days and weeks ahead, Greg? Well, when you review the language that's used anytime they justify, the government justifies putting millions of dollars into 75, and you're not going to get an argument from me. 75, obviously critical. It's the connection to the U.S. I know some people use 59, but that is the connection to I-29. And so when... Once again, just another example of us touting Manitoba, touting ourselves as this transportation hub, transportation capital, and and I'm on board. I think we are. But when it comes to making sure that that critical artery is uh, as good as it can be, either in terms of its construction, lack of repair, and then maintenance, like, come on, start walking the walk already. Like, this is this is ludicrous. 20 hours for that road to be closed when the city of Winnipeg, uh, every road in Winnipeg, I don't know what the weather was like. It could have been different between Morris and the border. So I, I, I have no idea what the weather was like, but in the city of Winnipeg, the streets were completely dry. It was it, when I read that, I like you gotta be kidding me. What? Unless there's some extenuating circumstances that I'm unaware of. I'll, I, I'm going to stand by that. It was the ice, and it skiffed right over. But I took 59 down past St. Malo on Saturday, which is just, you know, about as far as you'd go to Morris, if you get my geographical drift here. So you're, I'm going the same distance on the same sort of highway, and right. there was no issue. So it's, it's weird. I don't know what was going on there that day.